Chapter 17 of The Ocean of Air, Meteorology for Beginners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Miles. The Ocean of Air, Meteorology for Beginners by Agnes Jeburn. The Mountains of Cloudland chapter seventeen the mountains of cloudland wonderful scenery is found in cloudland by those who love to study it vast mountain masses and jagged peaks alternating with lakes and hills dressed up in glowing sunlight yet the solidity of cloudland exists only in our imagination clouds are as a general rule neither more nor less than masses of wet mist or fog floating in the atmosphere perpetually forming diminishing vanishing reforming growing lessening again never remaining for any length of time in the same shape or the same place evaporation and condensation are unceasingly at work in cloudland every mist cloud that we look upon is either growing or melting away it is never a fixture true some clouds seem to us to remain long in one position and to keep long one shape if a few hours or less can be called long but in reality there is not even that small amount of fixity when they seem to be at rest and changeless it is only because they are so far away that we cannot in a short space of time detect the movements going on or else it is because the whole sky overhead is shut off by a gray pall of cloud which may move or grow or lessen without our being soon conscious of it like fog and mist upon earth's surface clouds are commonly made and dispersed through the meeting of two currents of air one warmer than the other if when the two currents mix the air of the warmer is so much cooled down that it cannot carry all its moisture while the air of the cooler is unable to take in more moisture than it has already then a new cloud is formed or if a cloud is already there it grows bigger but if when the two currents mix the air of the colder gains so much warmth that it can receive more vapor than it already has then any cloud floating there will be partly or wholly sucked up so as to lessen in size or to disappear this is the manner in which clouds often vanish sometimes the wind carries them onward out of our sight quite as often they evaporate or are dried up by the air vanishing exactly as the fog cloud from the funnel of a steam engine vanishes on a tolerably fine day when there is a fresh breeze and many small clouds lie rather low down the changes in the form and position of these clouds are astonishingly rapid any one may test the truth of this for himself by watching with steady attention during twenty or thirty minutes but few people will take so much trouble all clouds are not formed of mist or tiny water droplets there is every reason to believe that some are made of ice clouds float at very different levels in the atmosphere careful observations have been made in several places with varying results when at a great height it is believed they are formed not of fog or mist but of tiny interlaced ice needles they are in short frozen two facts bring us to this conclusion one is that some curious effects such as halos and mock suns are occasionally seen through high-level clouds and never through low-level clouds 
These effects are, in all probability, caused by the refraction of light through ice, since they could be thus produced, while they could not be produced by the passing of light through mist. The other fact is that at so great a height the cold is very intense, and water must almost of necessity become ice. If a fog cloud were there, it probably could not remain a fog cloud, but would have to become an ice cloud. On earth, at a certain temperature, we always have hoarfrost in place of dew and snow in place of rain. Just so in cloudland, at a certain temperature, there would be frozen clouds in place of mist clouds. Clouds, as already stated, commonly spring from a cold current of air meeting a warm current, but this is not the only mode in which they are formed. A high mountain may often be seen capped by a cloud of a certain well-defined shape, and this shape will, perhaps, remain for hours almost without change. Sometimes, if the wind is high, a long slender ribbon or tail of cloud will stream persistently from the top of a lofty peak. The warm wind of the lower country, carrying plenty of moisture, suddenly reaches the mountain and has to rush upward. It cannot stop, for the pressure of air behind forces it on. As it rises, it grows colder, and the chill of the ice-bound peak adds further cold, compelling the air to part quickly with some of the vapor so easily carried below. Thus a cloud is formed. We may learn something more from this fog ribbon flowing from the peak as to the nature of a cloud. If you watch carefully the slender cloud from a distance, you will find it keep the same shape for a good while, unchanged, perhaps for hours. Then, drawing nearer, you will find that, while the cloud as a whole remains unaltered, the particles of which that cloud is made are never the same for two minutes together. The strong wind brings perpetually fresh supplies of moisture-laden air pouring up the mountainside from below, and the surplus moisture is perpetually being condensed into fog by the cold peak. Yet the cloud grows no larger, for the wind perpetually carries away the fog to be evaporated anew into the atmosphere. At one end of the long cloud ribbon it is borne into existence out of the air, and at the other end, indeed, along its whole length, it dies out of existence into the air. The cloud as a whole remains, but fast as it is formed, so fast the air all around dries it up. The water particles of which it is composed are whirled onward unceasingly, like the waters of a river. The same thing on a small scale may be seen in the little cloud which forms outside the spout of a boiling kettle. The cloud keeps the same shape, remaining intact while the particles of which it is composed are in ceaseless motion. Fresh particles rush momently out of the spout to take their place in the cloud. Then, in their turn, they are swept along and vanish from sight. This, in a greater or less degree, is the character of all clouds, at least of all lower-level mist clouds. The higher-level snow clouds no doubt evaporate more slowly, just as ice and snow evaporate more slowly than water. Clouds are commonly divided into different classes, reckoned according to their form and appearance, as seen by us from the bottom of the ocean of air. The three leading kinds are, first, the mare's tail cloud, known as cirrus, second, the ground fog, known as stratus, third, the wool pack cloud, known as cumulus. 
but as we seldom find a perfectly pure specimen of any simple substance so we seldom come across perfectly pure specimens of these three simple types of clouds far more commonly we see clouds which are a mixture of two or three simple types which therefore we may call compound clouds the mare's tail cloud is usually regarded as a sign of coming wind pure mare's tail or cirrus is feathery and streaked and lies always at a great height a balloon floating over four miles high seemed to approach no nearer the distant cirri than when it first left the ground clouds which are a mixture of the mare's tail and ground fog lie not quite so high though still at a level which probably means that they are formed of ice not of mist it is through them that mock suns are seen mackerel sky clouds are a mixture of the wool pack and the mare's tail these two lie lower than the pure mare's tail it is often difficult looking up from the floor of the air ocean to decide with any certainty which class each particular cloud may belong to even practice eyes are frequently at fault ground fogs lie much lower in the atmosphere and much nearer to us than those of the mare's tail type therefore they have not such sharply defined outlines but appear more hazy more like masses of gray fog because this kind is never found at any great height and because it often forms over low lands before night to vanish in the morning much like the evening mists of marshy and damp places it has been named the ground fog but it is distinctly a cloud far above our heads not to be confounded with mere fogs and mists which rest upon the ground sometimes the ground fog clouds spread over the entire sky shutting off all sunshine while the air below is foggy and dull as a rule however they do not mean rain another kind of cloud which often overspreads the whole sky occasionally ushering in a storm is a mixture of the ground fog and the wool pack the genuine rain cloud more or less a compound of three simple types is simply that which the name implies the bringer par excellence of rain still it must not be supposed that every cloud which pours drops upon earth is necessarily a nimbus cloud the wool pack cloud is usually formed of rounded mountain-like masses more or less white and woolly and often very beautiful in sunshine it is commoner in summer than winter piled up heights of snowy brightness softened by gray shadows are visible against the blue sky on many a fine day the base of the mountainous pile is frequently a sharp horizontal line from which the fairy-like heights spring upward this is the view which we have of wool-packed clouds lying at some distance from us between the zenith and the horizon if such a cloud mass is exactly overhead we look up at a flat gray base which cuts off the sunshine there may be splendid piles of white cloud above but we can gain no glimpse of them a man who would see mountain peaks must be outside and away from them not under the mountain's base woolpack clouds are produced by a steady upward current of warm air carrying abundance of vapor as the air is cooled in its ascent great quantities of the vapor are fast condensed into masses of mist or cloud which collect into rounded shapes no doubt the most wonderful views of cloudland are to be obtained from balloons i cannot better close this chapter or introduce the next than by quoting from the vivid descriptions given by mr glacier of what he and his companions saw on two occasions the first extract relates to an ascent in fine weather the second to an ascent in wet weather 
on the morning of august twenty first by half past four my instruments were replaced and we again left the earth the morning was warm but dull the sky overcast with cirrostratus cloud the temperature was nearly as high as sixty one degrees we at first rose very slowly by four thirty eight we were a thousand feet high at four forty one there was a break of clouds in the east and a beautiful line of light was seen with gold and silver tints we were then still only at a thousand feet here and there dotted over the land the morning mist was sweeping at four fifty one the temperature was fifty degrees scud was below us and the night cloud was in a transition state forming into the cumulus at the same level as we were about thirty five hundred feet black clouds were above and mist was creeping along the ground at four fifty seven we were in cloud surrounded on every side by white mist the temperatures of the air and dew point were alike as both the dry and wet bulb read thirty nine and three quarters degrees the light rapidly increased and gradually we emerged from the dense cloud into a basin surrounded with immense mountains of cloud rising far above us and shortly afterward we were looking into deep ravines bounded with beautiful curved lines the sky immediately overhead was blue dotted with cirrus clouds as we ascended the tops of the mountain-like clouds became silvery and golden at five one we were level with them and the sun appeared flooding with golden light all the space we could see for many degrees both right and left tinting with orange and silver all the remaining space around us it was a glorious sight indeed at this time we were about eight thousand feet high and the temperature had increased from thirty-eight and a half degrees in the cloud to forty-one degrees we still ascended rather more quickly as the sun's rays fell upon the balloon each instant opening up to us ravines of wonderful extent and presenting to our view a mighty sea of clouds here arose shining masses of silvery heaps there large masses of cloud in mountain chains rising perpendicularly from the plain dark on one side silvery and bright on the other with summits of dazzling whiteness some there were of a pyramidal form and a large portion undulatory or wavy in some places subsiding into hollows and in one place having every appearance of a huge lake nor was the scene wanting in light and shade each large mass of cloud cast behind in its shadow and this circumstance added to the very many tints formed a scene at once most beautiful and sublime so much for cloudland in fair weather now for the contrast in a june ascent from wolverton with concomitants of rain and high wind we were released by the simultaneous yielding of men and in a minute were four thousand feet above the earth at this elevation we were chilled by the clouds which we entered but cheerfully looked forward to emerging on the other side into the region of pure sky and brilliant sunshine on the contrary all was gray colorless and gloomy at nine thousand feet the air was filled with a moaning or sighing like the wind previous to a storm this was our first experience of the sound and we listened to identify it with the cordage of our machine working in the air but it was the sound of conflicting currents meeting and opposing each other in the wilderness of space 
now we were two miles high with faint gleams of the sun expecting him momentarily to appear instead we entered a fog and then into a fine and wetting rain afterwards a dry fog and then again a wet fog and that was again repeated then we were mocked by gleams of sun and found that we had ascended three miles high at seventeen thousand feet there was no change at four miles high dense clouds were still above us and for a distance of two or three thousand feet we were free from fog to our surprise at this elevation more than four miles above the earth there were dark masses of clouds two layers one above another with fringed edges unmistakable nimbi without doubt clouds of rain at twenty-three thousand feet mr coxwell who had been examining his ballast bags decided that we must not only descend but descend at once to my great regret i was therefore compelled to content myself with a searching look of general observation but one momentary glance was sufficient to impress it forever on my mind and were i an artist the impression was so vivid that i could portray it in all its details above below all around the sky was nearly covered with dark clouds of stratus character with cirri above and faint blue sky between not the blue of the morning or of a dry atmosphere but as seen when the air is murky and the clouds confused the sense of storm and adverse weather generally which gave character to the scene marked it forever as a memorable experience among many others as we passed down on our descent at a height of fourteen thousand feet we encountered a snowstorm extending through nearly five thousand feet there were no flakes only speculae and hexagonal crystals of distinct and well-known forms below the snow and almost ten thousand feet from the earth we entered again an opaque atmosphere which continued till we reached the ground this summer afternoon had exhibited many vicissitudes of weather and offered to the observer a fine and comprehensive study of meteorological influences at work removed from the immediate surface of the earth End of chapter seventeen